0: if you look at the loom shot and just zoom in you, know, you don't even have to like go into like macro level it's just you just put it on full screen and you see that it's uh, I don't know it's just a, somebody with like a very shaky hand applied the loom it's just all over the place it's like I did it on like half of the indices and season it is it is really bad it's like sweatshop level bad you know
1: what I love from the very beginning of the internet to now the internet's best role is to take someone else's work Look at it with a fine comb and tear it apart. No,
0: it, I don't, you don't have to look at it with a fine comb. That's the, that's the problem. You could see this from like even, even if you have like bad nearsight vision, you could see it. It's bad. It's <laughs> it's it's so bad. If, if all the indices would be like this, it would be like no, nobody would buy one of these.
2: Greetings and welcome to this week's a blog to watch weekly. The show that reaches parts that other shows just don't reach. It's as simple as that. Ariel what parts have been reached this week in the world of watches for you
1: wow that's that's, that's <laughs> yeah. it's so deep and penetrating today i'm thinking about how we had to go deep into the uh the bowels of the queen mary boat to get more tables <laughs> right, no okay. it was we had so scenes. many people there yesterday there wasn't enough chairs and cool. tables and uh, we kept having to ask the people like hey <laughs> could you could you get more <laughs> And it was this whole hilarious debacle of union labor, being on break, not oh. being able to find where the things are.
2: <laughs> See, it's just not a problem in this country. You want some tables and chairs? you Just go get some tables and chairs. David, if you wanted some tables and chairs, some extra tables and chairs in a restaurant, would you have to go through three layers of union labor to get them?
0: No, I think you could just get some tables and chairs. But um admittedly we don't have too many ocean liners <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> on the Danube. Oh, the, the Danube's not famous for its uh for its famous old liners that are are moored up. Cool. What can you do? What can you actually promote Hungary for us? What can you actually do on the Danube? Oh, wow. And is it blue? It, it is.
0: It is blue. Sometimes it's green. Um, it, it, it's actually not the reverse fault. It's, uh, it's whatever happens in the sky and, you know, with, uh, with the light and the sun and whatever. But sometimes it's gross and green and sometimes it's uh, turquoise blue and it has lots of ships on it. That have lots of chairs and tables on them, so you know <laughs> whoever is missing their their chairs and 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 whatever on the Queen Mary, they can just jump on any number of flights, maybe two or three flights, land in Budapest and just sit on on the Nub and in in tremendous comfort.
1: You you guys are so sweet to want to help retroactively. Thank you. <laughs> we'll bring our own yes. chairs. Say yeah, that's what phone. we should start yeah. saying bring bring to the watch events. Bring your own seating. You know, bring your. Own, you, the beverages will be included. I love how there's like. An endless amount of available alcohol for watch events, but that's about it. And still it's like, water, but no chairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just funny. Like, what do we do in a world where not everybody wants champagne?
2: There is, yes. a, there is something wonderful about going to an event and being the most comfortable person at it, especially an outdoor event, and you you actually are the one that remembers to bring a chair Mm. so you can sit down and enjoy whatever's going on. There's something wonderful about having your own throne with you.
1: Is it inflatable? I imagine it'd be fun to sit there with a hand pump and be inflating (laughs) your own throne as everyone looks increasingly envious as your throne grows in size. Mm. (laughs)
2: <laughs> what would be the most inappropriate form of seating to bring to a watch event i'm thinking beanbag because it would write russell yes
1: that's
0: cool. oh no I, I wouldn't i wouldn't <laughs> mind seating because there's plenty of that i could just bring one of these baseball hats that have like two beer cans and you can just like, slip from them and just drink, drink <laughs> like hands-free drinking opportunity from a hat with a little fan to keep you cool i think that that would be it and you could you could smuggle that in in your bag and just put it on once you're
2: in there. People
1: were on in their on their best behavior. I need to yes. make that very clear. I
2: noticed that you were also quite dapperly dressed. Well, there's clients there, you, you know. You, you, you thought, but you would given it some thought, Ariel. If anyone's not seen the photos, you need to go to Ariel's uh, Instagram yes. account. Yes. Very thank sharp.
1: you. Thank you. I um, looking very sharp. I have you know. Look, I mean. I can dress in a diverse ways. I think it's clear I like to be comfortable. I don't have to be comfortable, but I like to be comfortable. That's illegal in Europe. Yes, as, is, well, as are restrooms
0: and trash cans. Yes, the com- the comfort police comes and assesses your level of comfort, it just takes you oh, there in the you middle have of the waste here. Yeah, yeah, go be comfortable somewhere else.
2: <laughs> At least we have pavements. That's all I'm saying. There's somewhere safe. You, you do to have that. So, yes, we do, we do have, have pavements. pavements right. Right. Anyway, anyway, let's. Right. Okay. Come on. Let's let's move on. I know it was my fault for going down this route. <laughs> you did go down. Something this
1: route <laughs> Nothing <laughs> about the heritage Something... and the cool watches there. They brought some really no. impressive stuff out from the from the archives. Okay. But the seating arrangement. This is very important. That's right. Longines watches great seating cha- seating chart.
2: Absolute nonsense. Must do better. Nine out of ten for the watches. One out of ten for the seating plan. No,
1: I, it was great. <laughs> Look, I it was there was a lot of there was more than a hundred seats available for people, but it was a very popular event. It was excellent. The room was great. the uh, The Queen Mary uh, was a perfect venue for it, um, and and it was really the greatest place to bring out some of these historic watches because a lot of them could have ostensibly been worn by people who would have been traveling Mm. on this boat that was really really cool actually um what what i thought was the most interesting from the for timepiece universe perspective was here's all these people who really didn't know too much about longines and what it had done historically and were I think impressed, a bit overwhelmed, of course, but there was this presentation that Daniel uh, Hoog uh, had, and he's the director uh, or the head of their brand and heritage, and it's just like Longines invented this, Longines did this, Longines was part of this important thing. Um, And it's, in a lot of ways, not the same, but similarly impressive to maybe a Rolex or Omega. And I think that those are ones, if you know the history, like, wow, they've done a bunch of cool stuff. Well, so is Longines.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think a number of people point out just how impressive their back catalogue is, and to a certain extent, how little they actually regularly lead into it. So you do, however, make the event sound like it was a giant game of musical chairs. There was two hundred people there, but only a hundred chairs. No, no, they, were,
1: they but- brought. Look, it it was it was a <laughs> it was a very full event, but everyone was able to have a good time. We were in a wonderful room. Um, most people were able to sit down. I'm only joking because <laughs> I was on stage the entire time and and I'm looking around. Right. I was like, wow, this is a very full hall. Some people were standing in the back. What I really want is I really want a seat. That's so what you're standing up there. No, like. I was just like, if I was going to get... So I, I was able to, at the end, when people were leaving, find a seat for myself to actually eat some food, uh-huh. uh, which was nice, but it was... It was just so good to see such a successful event, and Longines was happy. The retailer, Ben Bridge, which we also did it with, um, they were very happy. And what's interesting is they set up a display in the back. They made a mini store, so they brought like a bunch Mm -hmm. of Longines watches and displays, and uh, they were selling a bunch of watches in the back. And I guess the reason that we brought this up to begin with was as a testimonial of how important it is to have a good venue. We've all been to cool watch events that are at an interesting venue, which adds Character and atmosphere and flavor and just sort of a good context to enjoy things. And then we've been to you know events at a store where you're just awkwardly you know st- staring at other watch dudes and you're like, all right, what do I do here? And it makes a really big difference. And and yesterday's event, so many things went well: the venue, the people, the watches, the brands. It all works so well. Plus, they were able to actually sell watches, of course, is really important to the True. retailer. So there's a lot of lessons that we learned there. And I'm looking forward to, of course, doing that. I mean, I think most of Blog 2 watch events are good. I, I, I hope that because we don't do so many of them, they're, they're good. A lot of people are like, oh, you should do more events. I'm like, oh, should we do more events? Do you guys want to go schmooze with people every, every couple of days? It's, you know, it's a lot. As so long as there's chairs.
2: I'm happy. I, I do think that should introduce a new category for all events we go to. I am mean, especially thinking of Watches and Wonders. We should judge all the watches, but we should also judge the quantity and quality of seating Oh, really? Do you want to be like a concert
1: venue? You want to have like a signed seating? Like, I will not show up unless <laughs> I know sitting. where I'm seating unless, and what my view is
2: going to be. Unless my name is on the back of the seat at the Rolex boutique, <laughs> at the Rolex booth, and Watches and Wonders, I will not tend. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, David, let's move this on. We've gone from lack of comfort, or it was obviously very comfortable, but uh, we we jest uh, about seating to an article you've just penned. I guess I hate thick watches now. Yes. So... When did you love them why have you fallen out of love with them instead
0: so that I love them it's it's more that I just didn't mind them um you know I could just them being thick because they were funky and you know they uh, you know the trend were you know big watches getting bigger 42 44 45 46 and so on and you know those watches looked a okay you know at 15 16 millimeters thick there was all this room for all these crazy complications and stuff and and the cool indications and whatever else and that was basically what the 2000s and the and, and the teens were all about, right? And then uh, now the watches are getting smaller in terms of diameter, but oftentimes they're not getting any smaller in terms of thickness. And I chose just a few examples, uh, f- you know, to illustrate my point in this article in this grinding gears column. And even some of these, especially this uh, featured image that you scroll down further and you can see it again, it's a chronograph um, that has this super tall, side wall or profile of the case in between the lugs and the strap joins the lugs down low and then you have all this case that you're looking at that's you know at least it's brushed but it's quite unsightly and my point is that it's just i I think it's over at least for me when it comes to thick watches because i realized this pattern as i was looking at watches that i used to like or new propositions that i thought i would like and i would look at them and i would say well this is cool but it's too thick and I felt like I can't justify neither the price nor the complications and whatever else if it comes in an ungainly and, you know, most of the time uncomfortable to wear package. Um, so that's how I ended up with this proposition that I guess I hate thick watches now.
1: I have to add something here. And, and David, help me reconcile this. Most watchmakers, when they're engineering a case, they're clearly not all successful, but they go into it thinking I'm going to make this as thin as, as I can, right? They don't have mm-hmm. too much extra oftentimes the dials a lot why do you think that there is too much thickness for your taste despite the fact that again as you know they genuinely try to make them as thin as they can
0: i that's just because they try it doesn't mean that they succeed right it's uh, i feel like you know the daytona works because it's less than 12 millimeters thick and I love it for that. It's you know I never it never looks or appears cumbersome. A gene, flyback whatever with seventeen millimeters, I look at it and I'm like it's it's a six thousand meter dive watch. And sure, it offers like a, a flyback or something that's cool, but still, it's like forty percent thicker it's it's just there's so much watch in terms of volume, and that hinders wearability and comfort. I bang it everywhere against the table against like whatever. It's just, it wobbles around the wrist. Some, I would actually be, um, of course, willing to see some compromises. Maybe I don't need a date. Maybe I don't need, I don't even need, you know, self-winding, sure. Just don't give me a 17 millimeter watch with a straight face and say that this is the best we can do because it's, it's not supposed to be that. A lot of the times, if they tried, I think some of them would have abandoned the 7750 architecture long ago. It's been around for half a century now and they are still make- milking it. And they are like, oh, but we added a column wheel. I don't care. It was a perfectly well-functioning, cam actuated chronograph for 50 years, and now it's, now it has a column wheel, but it's still 17 millimeters thick. It's just too thick for what it is, at least, you know, from would, what would I would you
1: think. Would you forgive a watch if it was particularly lightweight or had a particular level of durability that you could respect? Sure, I mean,
0: most G-Shocks, you know,
1: perfectly fit that the description.
0: They are light, and they are very durable, and they are thick as hell, but I still like, you know, most of them. But they are comfy to wear, but a lot of these, like, thick steel watches. sometimes even in titanium, it also is a matter of how the straps and the bracelets are integrated into the design. Uh, but yeah, sure, compromises. So I'm gonna is, be, I'm gonna be a
1: psychologist this. here. Can I be a psychologist yeah. here? That's right. So <laughs> I, I hear something a little bit different, not vastly different, but I think that David is just acknowledging the tastes he's always had. I don't think anything's changing about David's tastes. I've known him for a long time. I've seen the watches he likes the most. David's never really liked very large watches to begin with. But in the process of reviewing watches and meeting with brands, especially the high complications, it is true that a lot of the watches that David is asked to wear and to review and to just have his opinion on are larger than he wants to wear. And Mm. so what I'm sort of hearing is David just being, you know what, I'm really sick of, of wearing all these watches that aren't the size I want. I'd love to wear more watches that are my particular preference cuz you have it's not just your anatomy, it's your anatomy, it's your lifestyle you wear long sleeves a lot that's you know that that makes um it less pleasant to wear large watches and someone in a warmer environment who wears short sleeves a lot you know what i mean again it depends that's on the true. weather but there's there's so much personal preference here so what i hear is a watch journalist who's basically saying to watch brands like you know, there's these really great packages, like size packages, like the size of a Daytona. Like, I don't care how crazy you make your watch, but could it fit more or less this profile? Because that's a good size and thickness and overall thing. Like, can you model your shape within that? Can you shove it in there somehow? That's that's what I hear.
0: Yeah, that's that's a that's a huge part of it. I think it's uh it's going to be very interesting next ten years, and and it's one of the new frontiers for watchmaking to make. These already very small machines, even smaller and more compact. And when you said that, you know, they try to make these as small as possible. I'm, I, I honestly am not sure. I really am not sure if you know whoever went. You
1: hear him say it too. I mean, you know, that I'm not making that up.
0: No, no, no. Sometimes I hear them. But whoever designed the 17 millimeter thick longine, I don't think they had too many meetings on thickness. It's so thick. It just it just happened to be
1: 17 millimeters. Okay, I I was wearing this exact watch yesterday. So I know (laughs) I know the exact thing you're talking about. When I saw the the tech specs, I was like, oh my God, seventeen. And a lot of it is hidden in the design first of all there's the domed crystal and that's like two millimeters right there then there's a sort of rounded case back you know they do that so like it wears it wears like a 14 15 millimeter then on the nato which i actually had it on it's way thicker <laughs> on the bracelet it's better that doesn't help <laughs> <laughs> Put it on a freaking NATO. Oh, yeah yeah on the NATO, is like okay i mean it, it's thick but it's like if you have this history of tool watches There's something friendly, it's it's so legible, it's sort of nice and tactile in the hand. It definitely could be fitter, but it it would be a different sales proposition. Plus, you know, you make a really good point about the architecture. Rolex waited until the year 2000, which is funny given how old they are, to come out with their like decently sized chronograph. Like nobody, nobody seems to want to mass produce a a chronograph with tiny parts. Like they're all very very expensive um yes. or made in small quantities. Like I, I can't explain why. A lot of it has to do with the size tolerances, probably the complexity of assembly, but there's like a, re- a very real thing stopping the industry from making thinner chronographs if that wasn't a thing and someone was able to overcome that and make you know if they they had a a movement that was cost about the same as the 7750 to buy as a third party that was half the thickness was a chronograph it'd go crazy popular but like i just don't know how close we are to something like that
0: i mean the 2892 a2 is like 6.1 millimeters or something like that it's that's a,
1: a compromised chronograph and everyone knows it
0: yeah but at least it's six it's six millimeters you know so it's like you know that's something uh i'm not sure how thick yeah, like the b you know, one is big 28 look
1: another thing which is an issue is the 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 position of the registers with the uh, the 28 you know 90 94 that you're talking about uh, the, the registers are relatively close in. So, with these larger diameter movements, the registers can be further out, which looks better on the larger dials. Because remember, the 7750 generation movements and stuff like that, uh, they were meant for smaller watches. That happens to be a larger one. But there's, again, it, it is a tech, there are a lot of technical reasons why it can't be done. But David's absolutely correct um, that there's this huge opening in the market for more complicated watches that are a smaller profile that aren't you know Audemars Piguet expensive.
2: But I mean you say that that there's an opening in the market Uh, the one thing that watch companies are normally good at is filling in the openings in the market is the fact that they haven't and that a nice thin reasonably priced chronograph doesn't really exist mean that actually there isn't that much demand nah. when push comes to nah. shove people are prepared to put up with the extra thickness. i don't
1: believe that for a second because the chronograph is the most popular complication right if you look at sales and, the, and the, i'm not talking about time or date i don't that really count that but but just mm. by volume the chronograph wins and it's not because anyone uses it because it's, it's good looking so yep. you see all these three hand automatics coming out on the market because there's demand for it but it's also something that they can industrialize assembling a and having it work is hard it's not easy to do it's a lot more parts and the level of precision you need to put the stuff together is is just different than a three-hand automatic so i completely believe that just no one's wanted to accept that challenge um and they're like well you know because again they would whoever did it would have to spend millions on the r&d and then set up the whole production line it'd be like a decade before they could charge anything near what they would want to charge for for volume discounts and um you know i I, does rolex want to you know like kinesi for example through tudor do they want to make a competitor to the you know the forty one thirty five or whatever the 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 name right now of the uh the daytona movements is Is it's is it up to the 35 now i think they, they stepped it up from the 30. 4131 Oh, it's the 31. That's right. I don't remember. Did they go up by one number or uh, five? You never know. <laughs> yeah, they, they went up with just one, and
0: I have to correct myself because I said 2892, but it's 2894-2. So anyone listening and who's an F-Fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I,
2: I said it myself. later, the 2894. Okay. Keep your complaints to yourselves. Yeah. So are I, I we actually saying here that the most efficiently designed mass-market-produced chronograph movement is the one contained in the Rolex Daytona? and that actually if they just made that available in the same way that 7750 is available for mass purchase then that would be the movement everyone would be after i mean look at what tudor did. tudor needed chronograph. a
1: chronograph for the black bay and they went to breitling
0: yeah, that, that was a good move. Um, and, and but if you made like sometimes you can make some stuff, you know, available and, you know, sometimes patents expire and whatever else and you can you can make a 7750 in your basement and you cannot call it a 7750 maybe but you, you know, you can you can make it it's it's out there anyone can make
1: anyone's allowed to make a 7750 uh, the yes. architecture David's correct. exactly.
2: Uh, so why they not why why is no one remaking the Daytona because
0: movement? it's and this is what I was going to say is because there, there are certain components in it that require special manufacturing technologies like yeah you really and you know just just a number of components are are shaped and and manufactured in a way that uh, that you know few out there have the capacity to manufacture and once you can make parts like this you will make your own <laughs> once you have invested quite so much into manufacturing.
1: It changes for every couple of years. so I just want to add this, but Rolex, as of a couple of years ago, still didn't make every single component in the Daytona's movement. There's still a couple uh-huh. of little micro components that others make. Um, same thing with Patek Philippe, for example, that there's some certain components in their chronographs uh, that others make. This is not necessarily an uncommon thing and so david's absolutely right anyone would need to take this on would have to be able to make all these parts and there'll be resistance out there um in the market as is, as is the case so my belief is, is is not that there isn't demand for it but the the cost to develop and set up the in, in the industrialization to produce um, a competitively priced chronograph movement is overwhelming probably
2: okay so weird question i the super clones that you get for Rolex Daytona's, what movements in them? Crap. Like people, people. I mean, is it just is it just string? I assume that these super clones, the movements actually work and they're the, they're the right size. They are the same size as Rolex Daytona's. So, what is the cheats market?
1: That's a that's a good question. I have very little ex- experience with fake Daytona's per se. Uh-huh. Um, I know yeah. they exist. Um, my understanding is that. You know, one of the downsides of the fake movements is they work well for a small amount of time and then they, they go back. Exactly. Bad. The movements right. probably work for a little while. You know, we've seen the inside of chronographs. There's not only small parts, but there are these weird bendy shapes and things like that. And my suspicion yep. is they'll just sort of bend or wear out very quickly over time. So, I, 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 again, just to make a lookalike metal part isn't the, isn't the issue. It's one that is able to survive operation after operation. So my suspicion is after a couple of weeks or months, they just start to gum up inside or not work
0: yeah and in, in in the same way how many could cost and and maybe put together like an you know a v10 engine but it would not work it would it would not rev to eight and a half thousand you know it would just fall apart it would look like it but the fact that it works like that mm. and is durable is a completely other know-how and uh, i've seen some of these comparison videos with beautiful well, micro shots on, on these different uh, movements actually and super fake or to call it super fake uh, Daytona movements, and a lot of the parts are shaped like that, yes, as, as they are on the original. And, uh, you know, they are getting closer and closer in terms of style and finishing and whatever, but they are still incredibly dirty. The way that they are put together is, is super sloppy. It's just the whole thing is you look at it, and it's just a terrible movement. Yes, it yes the, 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 the shapes of the different components in that terrible movement are the shape of a Daytona movement, but the movement is still disgusting in, in in every single way you can think of for for a movement to be that. So it's a, it's not going to last. Um why why would you want to like disgusted. that? David's disgusted. Yes, it's disgusted with I'm
2: appalled. It, I can feel it coming <laughs> through the zoom chat. But it's like
0: it's like you sneezed <laughs> on a movement and then you put it together anyway.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I suppose this is about the watches that do manage to survive. Because we can have a quick look at an article, Ariel Penn, the top ten luxury watches I think the most remarkable thing about this article is that Ariel's put together a top 10, but we'll save that for another day. The top 10 luxury watches sold on eBay in the first half of 2023. Ariel, any surprises?
1: That's a good question. Um, You know, there's definitely some interesting things to learn here in terms of surprises. None of the brands are surprising, right? Like what, what we tried to do here is is figure out what models what were the most popular models uh that were sold and, and
2: and this information to be clear is not just you making up you've spoken to ebay and got this information from them yes it's not that you've gone on and just kind of surfed to try and discern the the, the top models this is actually official statistics yes
1: this is this has been uh pre- you know provided by them of course we we had the idea for this series and, and, you know, they had to, uh, to, to acquire this data and provide it to it to us. And, um, you know, look, I, I always, when it comes to these top 10 lists, I always worry. It's like, you know, the people who are represented there aren't happy. And then everyone else like, wait a minute, but my watch is popular. Well here it's nobody's opinion. This is just what's, what, what does well. So you have Mm. all the top 10 watches are between six brands. I believe Audemars Piguet, Cartier, Omega, Rolex, Tag Heuer and Tudor. Some of those are on the list once, some of them are on the list more. You know, Cartier accounted for all the women's watches and I think it was very interesting to me that there was entire consolidation there, right? Like women's watches are popular on eBay. They represent about 30% of the market, which is similar to everywhere else. But what is very different about women's watches is that um, most women buyers are interested in a smaller number of watches, whereas the, the male watch interest tends to be a little bit more broad. Um, so that's perfectly shown in here. Um, <clears throat> certain things like the Formula One from Tag Heuer, you know, or the Royal Oak Offshore. Um, you know, or, or the specific Oyster Perpetual watch is being so the, the Pelagos. You know, sometimes some of these watches are either so mainstream or so niche and I'm like, I didn't know the mainstream was that into Pelagos. So I think mm-hmm. what we see here is a very interesting mixture of what happens when mainstream interest and niche tastes collide and how the mainstream can sometimes adopt. So the Pelagos for a long time was not a particularly popular Tudor watch. It was the it was the Black Bay. Um and then the Pelagos, you know, may has hit its stride because it's been uh you know offered in in you know titanium, of course, and uh Rolex finally came out with titanium at a much more expensive rate. And that might be the reason, right? There's the there's the titanium yacht master for three times the price, and then the Pelagos starts to look wonderful by comparison. That alone could contribute to this. So I'd love to know, you know, some of the reasons why here. Um, the only Omega on the list is the Seamaster 300. The a Master. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and it's interesting, you know, why specifically that one. Mm. But you know, it's it's it, it's hard to say. So I think that's very. It's actually it should be humbling here as a watch enthusiast to sort of see what the mainstream likes and and ask questions why. And I'd like to ask both of you if you have any particular thoughts on why any of these watches um, were on the list.
0: I'm surprised by the Pelagos, uh, and I'm very positively surprised at that, that it's not the, uh, the, the, the Black Bay 50, whatever, pick your random number. Um, I, I always thought that the Pelagos was a superior watch to the, to the Black Bay in a number of ways, so I'm happy to see it there. The Formula One is a great beginner's watch, you know, a, a first watch for many, um, and I know that there are some people who collect them. So, that's cool. Um, Cartier, why, why is there three Cartiers? I, it's so weird that they they can they can have, like, three uh, in, the, in the top ten uh, list. The CMS 300 I fully understand. It's a great watch. A bit too thick, though. <laughs> uh, but it's a great watch, nevertheless. <laughs> uh, a bunch of Rolexes. The Royal Oak Offshore is a surprise as well. It's just, uh, hmm. Yeah, the three Cartiers... Do a little bit sound kind of made up. <laughs> it's like what's a biome blue a panther and the card you're doing in the top ten? I don't know.
2: Is this Ariel? Is this based on numbers or revenue?
1: My belief is this is the number of times that watch had a transaction. So I don't think this is a right, revenue okay, so- number. This is uh my understanding by volume i was specifically wanted to have not the watches that were listed but the watches that were actually sold so remember the watches that you'll see on ebay um you know that's just listing does not really count here we, we, i wanted to know what's yeah. actually being sold
2: yeah so i mean for a watch to go on ebay there needs to be it's a bit more of a kind of thought out transaction than a store selling a new watch like there's a lot more supply and demand elements related to it. Somebody needs to have it and want to get rid of it. So on the one hand, you could say Tudor Pelagos, great, but also that means lots of folk want to get rid of their Tudor Pelagoses, unlike their Tudor Blackbaits. Now, we know there's more Tudor Blackbaits in the world than there are Tudor Pelagoses, but for Tudor Pelagos to appear on this, it means more people have decided to move them on at a price because the price is variable on eBay that people find attractive. So it's almost certainly the case that more Tudor Black Bays are listed on eBay than Tudor Pelagoses. But clearly, folk that own Tudor Pelagoses, like Tag Heuer Racers, are clearly inclined to list them at a more reasonable price that makes them shift. So the market-making aspect of eBay when reflected through this list is quite interesting. You know, for Carte to feature three times must mean there's a lot of wives that got presents of watches from their now probably ex-husbands that want to just move them on and get shot of them on eBay. So mm. I'm not sure to what extent it shows the popularity of the Carty Tank Mustacarty versus, yeah, my daft husband, now ex-husband, got me this watch as an excuse to try and keep me, and actually, you no, know, I divorced him, and I got to keep the watch, and I'm now flogging it, and then some other bloke saying, oh yeah, I need to get uh. my wife a present, I'll buy this. Excuse my cynicism. Maybe,
0: maybe it's just... A bad watch. <laughs> People just receive it. And it's just, it's just the same one biome blow being sold over and over again. Thousands over of times over. over. Uh, yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think so. Watches I'm surprised by, surprised by the Pelgoth, surprised by the Aqua surprised by those three cartes. Uh, when you compare, I would have thought the Santos would have been on there if you were just thinking about popular cartes, but clearly it's a market maker thing. And I think that's why they're off. Yeah, that, that's why the offshore is there. are
1: probably the three most popular mm-hmm. women's Cartier watches right now. That's probably yeah. the Ballon Blue, as we know, has always been popular since it came out. It was never loved yeah. by the industry, but it's always been a crowd favorite. Yes. Yes, it has.
2: Uh, so I think that's why you see the offshore because they take such a hit.
1: I think there's something else in the to be market. mentioned here. Um, uh-huh. These are all watches that, for the most part, have been advertised heavily. Mm. So very good point. The, yeah. uh, So Tag Heuer, when they have a lot of their ads, what's interesting here is you don't see Carrera, and that's probably because of the price point. I think when people are looking for Mm. Tag Heuer, they're looking for some maybe lower price point. And so, if you think about it, these are probably like the two most desirable tag Hoyers at the most affordable price points. That's probably what you see mm-hmm. here. All, like I said, all the watches I've seen in display advertising somewhere, right? Even though the formula one is not like right now, the enthusiast choice, as we know, just given the price point as David and, and you said it is popular. Um, so that's, that's also there, you know, the, the offshore, it's not the most overpriced, you know, mm-hmm. RP RPG It's probably under list a lot of the time. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I think what you're seeing is not a lot of activity. The Submariner might be the the odd man out, but you know most of these watches are not ones that go over list, right? Uh, we know the Offshore again. It's compared to the normal Royal Oak right now. It's not as in demand. It used to be much more demand, but now it, it's the normal Royal Oak, which is more demand. So the less yeah. like a a less in demand model of an in demand brand is going to be popular on eBay. And I think that's a lesson Mm -hmm. to be learned as well. Hi, this is Ariel Adams, founder of A Blog to Watch, with a message about eBay. I visit eBay daily and have been relying on eBay to learn about and acquire watches for more than 20 years. Did you know that you can now buy watches directly from brands or their authorized dealers on eBay? Timepieces coveted by watch enthusiasts from brands like Zodiac, Laco, Paralay, and more are part of eBay's certified by brand program. Here's how it works. Luxury names are partnering with eBay to bring brand new and pre-owned watches and other luxury accessories directly to you. Certified by brand includes a minimum one year factory warranty for watches and offers an unprecedented selection of new and used watches directly from the source, all with the peace of mind you can expect from eBay. Visit ebay.com slash certified by brand for more information.
2: Okay, Ariel, hands-on review, Carl F. Bucherer's practical, practical, practical Monero minute. Whenever you put something in, uh, in like, quotation marks or that, you know they don't really mean it. So Carl F. Bucherer's practical, air quotes, Monero minute repeater symphony watch. Okay, Ariel, just how practical is a Monero minute repeater?
1: Well, how many watches that cost four hundred thousand dollars would you feel more or less comfortable wearing on a daily basis? That's the type of practicality I mean. That's practicality.
2: So, what makes so? No, I don't get it. What makes it practical? It's just it's
1: conservative. It's not overly sized. It's legible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't call a huge amount of attention to it. It's like you have a horological addiction and you need that tourbillon, a minute repeater at your side at all all the time, but you don't need to tell the world <laughs> that, you know. Mm. <laughs> That's so practical in the sense, or like, it's it's conservative and it's a good taste, and no one's going to be like, uh, "Hey, who are you showing off to?" And they'll be, and they look closely, they're like, "Oh, damn."
2: <laughs> uh, this was. This is the first Carl F. Booker you've got your hands on since Carl F. Booker's Rolex news. Any chat come through the the ether while you were reviewing this? I assume you didn't get to take this home. I'm assuming you had to go somewhere where there were some Carl F. Booker yeah, people
1: yeah, circulated. Um they're used to those questions. <laughs> uh, look, most of those employees, frankly, heard about this from the media. You know what I mean? Like They were right. like, wait a minute, I work for who now? <laughs> um (laughs) now think of this it is a people who work at rolex tend to have a lot of um job security and many Mm -hmm. of them stay in that job for a long time it's those aren't always like the best jobs in the world in terms of like being able to have your voice heard uh but again it's a very secure (laughs) job and people love working at a brand as amazing as rolex so all these people sort of like you know we're working at one company one day and then woke up, and all of a sudden they're now Rolex employees and they're like, "Wow, I have a certain sense of job security that I never had before. and yeah. it's not just Carla Bouque, uh-huh. It's the entire Bucareera chain, which is a lot of people. and again, I'm not saying that applies to everyone, but if you're a manager and executive, like there's a good chance unless you really screw up, like you're going to be fine as long as you, you know you know n- know how to keep your head within the Rolex way. So there's that. Uh-huh. But in terms of what it's going to change for the brand, there has been no plans. As far as everyone knows, Uh it's business as usual. This watch came out prior uh, to the announcement, and the brand is sort of trying to reform itself it's gone through various phases it's sort of going to be a brand that starts at six or seven or eight thousand dollars and goes up these watches uh this is the standard limited edition but the bespoke customized ones that they get excited about making cost about five hundred and fifty thousand dollars so it's only that the professional only up from here yeah the one with uh more water resistance or something i don't know no um so it's. I think it's a really good time to be that them. Uh, again, they've been uh-huh. given no specific directive. I don't think they're really even allowed to talk about it. But I believe them. They're like, not, for us, nothing's changed except there's this, you know, looming. Maybe something will change, but no one's no one there is dreading uh-huh. what will happen. Right? It's 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 a very yeah. good time to have been working at Carla Bucherer a few weeks ago.
2: Uh, do you get the impression that anybody is either authorized? or is ever going to use the line that they do in Tudor stores, whether they're supposed to or not, that they go, yeah, we, yeah we're yeah, we part of the Rolex group, so you're really buying a, a Rolex here. Do you think you can anticipate the first salesperson and no. Booker going, Yeah, you're you're a bit judious oh, yeah. about this? But I mean know, we're owned by Rolex.
1: Everybody who sells Carla Bookerware is very excited to say we're part of we're you know Rolex bought us, right? Yeah. Like like cool. that's that sounds like, wow, Rolex bought you? That sounds cool. Like that's a good pitch. They're not really allowed to say that. But look, ultimately, we know that these are two completely different companies, they don't share any you know design movements anything like that they're two completely different watchmakers even much more so than Tudor and Rolex uh you know they just historically have not been the same company at all so I think that if there was going to be a merger of the ethos it would take years I mean many many years before there would be any real intersection because every incentive right now for the foreseeable future is just keep things going as they are.
2: David what do you think of this watch and what, if anything, within the Carlef F. Bucherer stable, would you ever expect Rolex to suddenly go, yeah, we'll have a little bit of that? In the same way, I suppose, that you could say, we've been speaking about the Pelagos, you know, Tudor, well-known for titanium, Rolex gradually getting into titanium. When can we expect the first? And basically what I'm asking is when we can, like, we expect the first Submariner minute repeater.
0: Oh, I can't wait for that. It's going to be a pointless watch, but a fun one nevertheless. Uh, <laughs> I, quite, I quite like this practical Monero minute repeater symphony watch that Aurelian hands on it. I really like the texture on the dial and the way that they yeah. position the, the the hammers and the governor on the on the dial side, along with the tourbillon. It's uh, you know it, very frequently what happens is that these. Uh, pieces are hidden on the case back side and minute repeaters and here basically everything that you buy a $400,000 watch for if you're a watch enthusiast and not an investor is a tourbillon and the minute repeater and you have all of those on the dial side so you can see them in action you don't have to take the watch off and it's just something that you can just 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 gaze at and scrutinize and and just look at and and appreciate so I think that's very cool um 400,000 well it could be 250 it could be 450 it happens to be 400 great I hope they will sell many of these. I've been to the Call of Bucherer manufacturer before, and the the key takeaway message for me from there was that it was the quality control really, really was really outstanding. Everywhere I looked, I could see people just just going the extra mile and, and taking a very close look at the different. Um, you know, not, not just the, the complete watch, but but the, the different parts and subsets of parts and all, all the rest. And it's weird because we expect Swiss watchmakers to have like a high level of quality control and scrutiny, but that's not always necessarily the case. So as odd as uh, it may sound, that was the takeaway message from there. And yeah, karloff is much less on the map <clears throat> than Tudor. So if Rolex wants, maybe they can they can try something out with Calatrava and um, as they do with Tudor in terms of materials and uh, and designs and whatever else. Um, it could be some a vehicle for for really odd stuff because Calatrava is not as established as Tudor. And again, does not quite have that level of attention that a Tudor receives every single time it does something new. So who knows? I think whatever they do, it's going to be a really slow start and. For the next couple of years i don't think there's i don't expect much to happen from this from this uh, mm. newfound marriage between rolex and booker
1: ariel does it sound nice it does it has a really nice clear sound um it's got some water resistance to it so there's a trade-off between volume and having some water resistance in the case but mm. the sound is clear it comes with one of those little wooden stands we've all seen those and you, you place the watch on it and you activate it and it's a resonator. It basically amplifies the sound. Um, so I think it's, it's for the size. It is, it, is, it is very well engineered. I mean, you really get a solid feeling out of it. Um, don't forget it's an automatic movement as well. It's got their peripheral automatic motor mo- uh, yeah. that is great. It's, um, you know, we're talking about thickness. It was, what, what is it, like 12 or something millimeters thick? Um, it's wider. It's you know. It's about. It's just over forty three millimeters wide. But it's. I, I definitely think that David wouldn't be like. Oh my god, this is too thick. I think actually this would. <laughs> this would be David approved.
0: Yay. <laughs> and it gets a pass because it has a freaking turbine and radiator, which is very cool.
2: And automatic. No diamonds. No diamonds. No bling, David. There's no bling uh, there Florian. for you. For
1: hundred fifty thousand dollars more, starting at about hundred fifty thousand dollars more, David <laughs> could have. It could have it. Double the weight for so yeah, <laughs> solid bracelet as well. Yes. <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> you had me at this yes. Rowing Blazers, Times Bamford, Times Tag Heuer Carrera Watch, Times Is This a Collaboration Too Far? A new release from this gang. Do we need a collaboration that has three collaborators on it?
1: It's starting to be like the that rap music that always had like a bunch of people in the credits and you're like, what did you all contribute? <laughs> what did you all do? <laughs> yeah,
2: that's, that's a really good way of putting it. I mean, it's actually quite a nice watch if you fancy a bit of color on your Carrera, but I, I I simply would not entertain this because of the collaboration. I,
1: w- I want to know if George Bamford is happy just to go to the party at this point. He's like, I didn't have to do much, but I'm glad <laughs> I mean, to be I mean, here. He was
2: a Tag Heuer fanboy, so yeah, they, they probably didn't need to ask very hard. George, would you like to put your name on this? Oh, yes, Yeah, please. I mean, look, it's it's good.
1: Look, I think the success story here is Rowing Blazers. I've interviewed, uh-huh. um, you know, Jack Carlson, the founder, a couple of years ago when he did his first mm-hmm. Seiko. He's done a couple of those There's been the Zodiac. There's the Tag Heuer. That's a fashion company that will eventually be acquired by somebody very, very large. And these are going to be cool and valuable. And they'll probably do their own watches at some point when he's no longer part of the company. Um, I know it's not to everyone's taste, but like if you look at the directory of Rolling Blazards, it's going to be acquired by an entity that's at least carrying sized some at some point i don't know when but at some point just because it's on that trajectory so mm. it has it's going to have that type of gravitas you know out, out there um and Tag Heuer sort of likes to be part of this Still not sure what George Bamford's role in this was, uh, but you know he's, George brings he's the party. to pick
0: the fall. Like Tagher just picks up the phone. Like
2: we're not really sure about this. George, can we put your name on this? Sure.
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, LVMH Group as a major, massive, hugely wealthy fashion house that occasionally buys things.
1: Yeah, maybe. I just think it's funny that that it kind of seems like Tagher is like, "Listen, Jack, we're so busy. Would you talk to George and design something?" <laughs> Give him some <laughs> credit or something. And uh, we, we just really don't have time to talk to you. It just kind of feels like Tag Hoyer gave what is an important person from an up-and-coming brand a bit of a snub, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. George, George the B is our team. outsourced design the department. Bamford he has team. nothing better to go. do. You guys are cool, right? Go chat with him.
2: <laughs> go chat with George. <laughs> Excellent. It is very nice. I, I'm not sure that the NATO goes with the like that's just uh, maybe that's what George considered okay. to, George that's actually the, the
1: rowing
2: is that the rowing uh-huh. blazers I mean I know nothing about rowing blazers it just sounds like well, some you know, talk so in thing. rowing boats But anyway. this
1: watch was inspired by a wrist worn countdown timer that was basically a wrist mm-hmm. worn pocket yes. watch I don't see too much of a connection here. I mean, those numerals are the most distinctive things on there. Those don't show up anywhere. Yeah, which is a <laughs> I'm shame. just I'm just saying, like if the, if that's the starting material, how is this the end result? I I don't get it. I don't get it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go and give us your opinion. I, I, actually, you know what I've not done in this article. I've not scrolled down to see what the comments are. And my
0: favorite comment is that I've read the brand that's blowing razors,
2: and <laughs> I can't get out of, <laughs> out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> <Best>. Blowing razors. <laughs> yeah. like, the bad. best part of this review was that the information... <laughs> <Blowing> <laughs> this is a good one. Razor. The bone clock. The best part of this review was the information about the limit of 99 pieces. <laughs> too many from the world it's
0: uh, a blueing razor something nobody pointed out and i'm not sure when tag is going to like you know get get its sort this out but if you if you look at the loom shot and just zoom in on it you don't even have to like go into like macro level it's just you just put it on full screen and you see that it's I don't know it's just somebody with like a very shaky hand apply the loom it's just all over the place it's like I did it on like half of the indices <laughs> and it's it's just it's really bad and honestly it's like I don't think the tax should should allow Ooh, and it's wow. 8,900 I didn't even check yeah. the price it's almost nine grand for something that looks like honestly this would be Change. unacceptable on a 900 hundred dollar watch and I like that for many many reasons but this this just blows
2: yeah I have just done exactly what you suggested, which is gone to the blog to watch page on this, and we should not take a sudden upturn in the popularity of this page to do anything to do with the popularity of the watch. But zoom in on the loom shot. You don't even have to go in. Good grief! It's just you look at it. No, that's that's horrific.
1: Yes. Okay, guys, <laughs> come on. How'd that was the <laughs> that was the
2: sample. Uh, yeah, of course. Maybe it was. George applied the loom. Maybe. Maybe that was George's job. Oh I look like at there's a
1: lot of names on the dial: Carrera, Tag Heuer, Bamford, and Rowing Blazers. <laughs> oh, and Swiss made. Everyone gets credit. It's like made. the UN of watches.
0: <laughs> Honestly, that would be the only redeeming feature. If you look at the uh, some of the pictures where it's um, where, where the loom is not on, it's like the first picture in the gallery where it's like this bright light shining down on the watch, and it's like actually a nice picture. And you look at the the indices; they're destroyed. Uh, even even the blue parts, and honestly, this has to be a sample. I have to like, it. It can't be the the the, the final thing because it's it's so bad. It is. It is really bad. Mm. It's like you know what I love okay. uh,
1: you, from the very beginning of the internet to now. The internet's best role is to take someone else's work. Look at it with a fine comb and tear it apart. <laughs> no,
0: it, I don't, you don't have Absolutely. to look at that's it with really a fine
1: <laughs> comb. That's the, that's the Yo. problem.
0: You could see this from like, even, even if you have like bad nearsight vision, Jeez. you could
1: see it. It's bad.
0: It's <laughs> it's, it's it's so bad. If, if all the indices on all the Tag watches would be like this, it would be like, no nobody would buy one of these. Okay. So,
1: Lesson two, Tag Heuer. Next time, shoot one of the final pieces. <laughs> yeah. But this is this is what yes. they do. They make a really rough early version.
2: No, you t- know. Next, next time you use Photoshop, for goodness sake. Like It's not like you couldn't correct it no, remember, this.
1: Tag had no time for this. They had to give it all to Bamford. <laughs>
2: <laughs> next week's show, George Talks Back. <laughs> we're going to leave it there for the full reviews. There's quite a few other releases, so we're going to rattle through Uh, Three more with a hit-miss maybe. So first up, Garmin Mark Carbon Luxury Smartwatch Collection. Arrow, you're a bit of a fanboy of these. Is this still a hit?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting here is every single time in the past that a technology company like Garmin has released a new smartwatch product, there's been some technical upgrade. This has just been to say, and now... Our mark collection, which is on Generation 2, which maybe is Generation 2.5 here, given this, um, now features carbon as a material. Titanium was a big part of it before. Uh, What we're seeing is a very rapid shift to carbon as an interesting material. I just wrote earlier um, about Carbon watch. It was a Luminox with their Carbonox case, and then then I was writing just a couple days ago about a Victorinox Swiss Army watch with a carbon case. We see carbon and low end sport watches all the way up to very very high end watches, and now as a material in luxury luxury smartwatches, we see it. Carbon's a very dense material in that it's hard, relatively durable. Um, it's not as traditionally scratch-resistant as a metal, but some of the the newer ones are very good, and because carbon is a dark material with a a texture to it already, little blemishes uh, could sometimes be very difficult to see. I don't know yet if I consider it a luxury material, but I think one of the best things that you can do is, depending on how you make it, as you cut it and polish it, you can get these interesting textures, these interesting grains and things like that, and, you know, David was talking about being sick of thick watches. Well, what I'm thick of is just uh, boring, solid surfaces that have no interesting design or any or organic nature to them. I'm just getting bored of just like polished cases or brush surfaces, you know, forever. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that what we're seeing is an interest in texturing and the artistic element there. Um, and it's it's permeating into the smartwatch world. So I think there's a lot of interesting lessons here. This is going to be a lighter product. And, you know, David, earlier we were talking about how you give the G-Shock a pass because it's so lightweight. Well, some of the better smartwatches today, as you know, especially Garmin, they're insanely lightweight, um, mm. even compared to an Apple Watch. Some of them are, like, really, really lightweight. So I'm excited to see this in my hands and compare it to the metal one because I think that the smartwatch industry... Probably more so than the luxury watch industry is going to get the practical, super lightweight. You know, you don't have to spend Richard Mille prices. Um, but even even the titanium uh, and carbon mixed Garmin smartwatches right now are like ludicrously light, given their durability and what hardware they have.
2: David, you've never owned a smartwatch, I don't think. But is this a hit, a miss, or maybe? Uh,
1: I've I've never
0: had a Garmin, but I had multiple smartwatches in for review. So yeah, this, this I've been enticed by these for a long time. I I hope to get one of these in for review. Uh, maybe someday. Very cool. Mm-hmm.
2: Good, good. Ah, uh, yeah, this is a hit. I mean, never owned a Garmin, but this is starting to look. Rick, you're like a Garmin guy. You may you not actually... know it,
1: but you are a Garmin material, sir.
2: <laughs> you think I'm a, you Think I give off those oh, kind yeah. of vibes? Do you? Yeah, big Garmin guy. Well, Garmin, send me send me all your watches. But no, oh, this this looks cool. I like this. I'd, I'd certainly try this out. Forty six mil, my kind of size. Uh, yeah, love it. Okay, but hit miss maybe on the buy retrograde Reservoir air fight Chronograph watch. I'm a big Reservoir fan. This is a bit of a departure from their normal kind of layout but I'm quite liking this, I'm thinking this might be a hit, gentlemen David?
0: I quite like this one they had uh, the Sonomaster version of this, which I liked even more it's, just, it's essentially the same watch I saw this by retrograde Airfight um at Genual Watch Days and uh, again, it's, it's virtually the same in the Sonomaster, but it has some beige, you know, background to the sub-dials and a different play with the colors and stuff. And so my choice would be the Sonomaster, but I do like Reservoir very much. And it was the first time I met, you know, the people on, behind the brand. And it's always funny because you never know who's behind the brand, whether it's legit, whether it's like something, somebody cobbled together or whatever. And, you know, my first impression was that they take themselves and, and, and the project and the brand uh, very seriously. And uh, yeah, I was very, very positively surprised by the people behind behind Reservoir. So I'm, I'm, I look forward to seeing more of these. I haven't interacted with them since Geneva Watch Days, but it was fun to see that one. And yeah, this is a cool piece.
1: Ariel I definitely like these as well for me. Reservoir has two things on their side. One, they know that they need to have dials that look different than other people's watches if they're going to have a competitive advantage in the market. So they definitely have mm. succeeded there. Second, they understand uh, the simple elegance of symmetry um, and what a good-looking instrument gauge is. The the founder of the brand is an instrument gauge nerd himself. Um, he is his own, you know, first customer, and he's making things that that he likes. So he has a strong personal interest in, you know, analog gauges, um, and this is this is sort of him saying, yes, this is what I want to do. So here we have a brand that we admire because it is the manifestation of a particular person's interests, and 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 those tend to be watches brands that we may not like all that they do, but we not like enough of what they do because there's, you know, one or two creative people there who are saying that's, that's a watch for me. So right, right now, Reservoir is, is still on a, on a roll there. Um, just scrolling down to remind myself of the price here. Yeah, this is, you know, this is pushing up a little bit for them. Um, still a lot of stuff there, but sometimes I wonder, um, you know, there's a sort of, There's the person who's willing to spend a huge amount of money on independent watch brand because it's like a talented watchmaker, you know, doing their craft. And then there's sort of a, on the other end, there's like, well, I'll spend a certain amount on a small brand, but above a certain amount, I want like an attractive brand as well. Mm. And I I wonder if the over $5,000 amount for a lot of people is that's too much for me to spend on, on the little guy right now. So, again, Reservoir is doing well, but... They're rapidly getting into price territory that people tend to be more comfortable, again, going back to the eBay chart, spending on the Tag Heuer's and Omegas um, you know, and Cartier's of the world. So this is interesting territory for brands like this. Um, maybe at a small number of units per year, they can do okay. Um, but I, I suspect that they need to stay very, very humble um, unless they want to sort of significantly invest in brand awareness, which is time-consuming and very expensive.
2: And then finally for today, hit miss maybe the Breguet Marine Tourbillon 5577 watch. Hmm. I think I'm giving it a strong maybe. Maybe verging onto the hit. I just, yeah. It's a miss Yeah, I'm undecided. I'm undecided. Undec- a miss. Why is it a miss?
1: <sighs> I mean, there's so many individual components here are great. The movement is great. Okay, this is a really mm-hmm. good tourbillon, and I, I can't say anything bad about that. Uh, my first issue is this sort of weird asymmetric um, positioning. I mean, look, we were just talking about a cool tourbillon with a peripheral automatic, and this is a cool tourbillon with a peripheral automatic, and it's done very, very beautifully. But I just I can't get behind... This weird asymmetric thing they did on the dial, like it seems wholly unnecessary um, the current iteration of the marine has hour markers that I just can't stand I just can't stand behind them like I just they're just not me i just i i can't I don't like those hour I markers mean, and
2: are are the hour markers loom filled they are because they're filled they in yeah they are, it is loom so it 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 does sound and does it look really strange in a loom shot? <laughs>
1: it it doesn't look good with or without loom like it's supposed to be to, <laughs> supposed to do it both ways but i don't know that it's going to look good i mean maybe it look good with loom i don't know i i just I, again i this is a high quality watch no doubt great movement i just for this money i i don't know i just for 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 me this this doesn't do it it's 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 just too weird it feels cobbled together and weird and too many out design elements that i don't think are that pretty to begin with David, are you
2: coming to its defence or are you piling on? I'm a huge Breguet fan, so I, I,
0: I, I would, I would totally wear this just because you know I just, I just love the connection with with the Breguet, uh marine chronometers. But I agree that these hour markers are very much a developed taste. Uh, they like a bit of refinement. Maybe if they had like beveled edges or something to, to make them a little bit more refined because you know sometimes what happens with these like marine and dive watches and whatever else is that you have a robust exterior but you should have like this little capsule of of incredible refinement within that is safeguarded by this rugged exterior and here to to some extent the the inside feels a bit bloated and odd like ariel said because it's like the dial has this chin <laughs> downwards where where the turbion just protrudes from from and it even extends like the hour track and the mini track as well and it's just it's just kind of weird it looks like a face or like a, a caricature or something um a bit odd but it's very very slim it's beautifully made i love the hands i love the various textures and and the colors and and all the rest of it all it does not offend me but it's not the hundred and fifty thousand dollar brigade that i would get
2: so unoffensively a maybe unoffensively
0: no uh, unoffensively
2: miss. unoffensively yes. <laughs> okay good stuff well that is our show for this week thank you all very much for joining us we would really like you even more than we already do our good audience if you were to send us in some questions you can contact this podcast at blogtowatch.com, or if you would leave us a review, some stars, and a little bit of written text as soon as you finish listening to this bit of a Would that be
1: great to just go into a long jeans ad because they have all the stars on their dials? Okay.
2: Oh, yeah. I know. Leave us some stars. Sponsors, Speaking of stars. Speaking of five stars. Speaking of five stars. <laughs> the long jeans. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, may, may, maybe we'll just send them this episode and say, guys, don't listen, listen to the first bit then don't listen to the bit immediately afterwards where David talks about large watches and then we go straight to the end. just insulted your sister, that's Brand, then adver- we
1: light your stars. <laughs>
2: and that's, when that's where your advert could have fitted into the show. No, that's great. Thank you all very much for joining us. Gentlemen, much on this week?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, we have probably at least four podcasts to record this week, uh, in addition to the weekly show, of course. And uh, then Monday, another watch event... <clears throat> The release mm-hmm. of my latest collaboration with Zodiac um, at the Feldmark And George Bamford. No, he's, maybe he'll show up. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I, maybe we should just have a thing God, where people just put his name. Like everyone out there, if you're designing a watch, oh. put Bamford's name on it. Just just like a, just a come... shout out to him. Kind of like you're a rapper thanking Dr. Dre for something. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking April Fool April's April's fast coming out I have a different idea already I, think, I have a different idea I, 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 I
2: think I think I think we need to have a subsidiary April fool joke we could
1: do that, we could, we, we, do that. we could do that we could a think, load we of could think...
2: Bamford
1: collaborates with everybody yeah collaborator he's he's <laughs> he's the master collaborator <laughs> <laughs> uh anyways yeah zodiac event at Feldmar on uh October 23rd that'll be fun cool. um and then more travel Excellent.
0: Good. And David. Yeah, just planning a bunch of travel ahead, uh some new
2: stuff. Um just just a lot up in the air right now, trying to settle everything. Great stuff. Well, thank you all very much for joining us. I speak to speech again next week. Goodbye. Bye everyone. Thanks so for listening. Bye everyone.
1: Bye bye.